Let's get started. Yesterday's daf. Yet uh, yesterday was daf Chav Zayin. Today's Chav Ches. Where uh, that's it. We're in the home stretch for sure. So are we on? on oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. And then Thursday is the last little piece. We got, then, got then rid of another Masechah. We got rid of it. Chas v'shalom. No, another one in the pocket. That's the plan. Okay. We acquired another Masechah. Right. Another retired. Is that what you said? Not retired. Not acquired. Not retired. We retired. All right. Let's get right to it. We talked about in yesterday's daf. We're reviewing. Yeah, right. We're having a mind. Lili nishmas and also refuah shaleim etaymi basdvora and all also need refuah refuah shaleim etarona basara and hadasa basronia. Okay, and all who need it, right? Just have a mind in general. Okay. All right. So we uh, learned yesterday's stuff. We're starting a review at the bottom of the page on the chavavam base, uh, talking about the sudas havaros and the, what, who you do it that. Uh, that generally you should do it on mitos kufos, which is the the upright beds, not upside down, um, the way the mourner sits. And we saw it depends on the circumstance. If you're going to a mourner and the person is very comfortable at the house of the mourner, so then that person can be also on the um, on the mitos kfuyos, on the turned over beds. If, however, that's not the case, then he should be on um, um, only on a regular bed. Um, story goes is that Rava lost a relative, and Rab Abba Barmata came, uh, namely Abba Barminyumi, and Rava was um, put up the bed, and Abba Barmata turned it over and to sit lower. And he's like, oh, this guy doesn't have any sense because he's not recognizing that he's not that close. You know, it's like those people who, like, make themselves a little too Hamish in, in your house, and you're like, I don't think you realize that. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, it's a lack, la- lack of recognition. Anyway, so um, the next thing we said that uh, if traveling... And that's your parnasa, so it, it would, if you can cut down on that, that would be appropriate. But if not, then continue with the people that you're with, because that's the way you make money that, that does. I mean, obviously, we don't want a person to starve. We said also, when is the moment to turn over the beds? When does that process begin? What do we mean by overturn the bed? In those days, the beds were like, what, if you put it upright, it was higher up. If you put it upside down... So then it was like a low-down sitting area. So just like with the custom is for mourners to sit lower down to the ground. That's and you turn the bed in order to be a sitting area for the... Low, right, the, okay. the, for the mourners. Now, um, so the obligation, according to Rebbe Liezer, is as soon as you leave, as soon as the deceased leaves the house. And according to Rebbe Shua, it's only after burial. Um, story goes that the Rebbe Gamliel Zakin passed away, so as soon as they walked out of the house, so Rebbe Lezer said, okay, turn over your beds. And then, once the, the, they covered up the coffin, so in the burial, so Rebbe Yeshua said, turn it over. So they said, uh, you're a little too late, we already heard from Rebbe Lezer that we should have done it before. So, anyway, it's Machlokas. When do you, on Erev Shabbos, you know, we're supposed to put the beds back to their upright position, 
So at which point? So he said, from Mincha and onwards. But that being said, Rabbi Barhun explains that even though that is true, but we don't sit there until Shabbos kicks in. Now, what about Matzai Shabbos? What about after Shabbos? Even though, um, even though, even though you can't sit but one day, um, you, uh, you 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 still turn it back over, and you, even though it's for a very short period of time, you still turn all every place over. And we said that when turning over the bed, it's not only his bed, but it's all the beds that are there should be turned over for the low seating, so the sitting low down. If he has different eight, ten different beds, ten different places, turns them all over. Even five uh, brothers and one person passes, so they all turn over the beds. Now, um, if it's a bed, how, there are exceptions. If it's a bed that's not meant for sitting, it's for kalim, they put stuff on it, so then there's no need to turn over that bed. And a dargish also does not need to be turned over. <coughs> we'll define a, a dargish shortly. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says that what you should do by a dargish is Un, undo the knots and let the center fall. Okay, um, what is a dargish? That's the question. So first off, we saw Ula's explanation um, that it's uh, that it's arsa de gada, which is basically like a good luck bed that they use. It was like a miniature bed, more for just like a good luck charm, I guess, kind of. It's very interesting why that is even legal, but um, Some people do that. Apparently it was a thing. I don't know. It's like a karma thing. Yesterday, you know, he never, he never did it. It's like a feng shui. Well, you have interior decorating, so the protective mallet can take a rest. Uh, right, have a place to chill. That's, Whatever. That's what it is. That's, that's what it is. But it's very. I just find it like it's kishuf. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of like right, whatever. Well, you know, it's a little bit of. Yeah, you know, and I think I come visit you, so you need a place to sit, right? All right. <laughs> So um, so the Gemara says, if it's that's what it is, so then why does the halacha state, if that's what a dargish is, why is the halacha state by a king? The Mishnah I'm glad says, they had to ask what it is. I mean, there's a lot more familiar with it. Uh-huh. I'm glad they had to ask what's a dargish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they weren't sure. Okay. Um, what about the... Oh, so why would a king um, be sitting on that? Obviously, it's not appropriate to sit on such a thing, if that's what it is. So Gemara says, what kind of question is that? We're talking about when in the morning. In the morning, everything's done differently. Um, it, you're being fed and to, given to drink by others, uh, which is never the case. So also here, you're sitting in a place where you never normally sit. It's not a question. <laughs> if you want to know the question about a Targish, is why would you not be required to turn it over? Um, so uh, the Gemara says, "What do you mean? That's also not a question because why? Maybe it's the same as a uh, one that's miyuchin for kelim. Just like when it's miyuchin for kelim, you don't have to turn it over. So do this one. So if that's that's not a question. What is the question? Is why does Rabbi Shem Gamliel say that you need to untie the knots and it falls? If it's ours the gado, what kind of knots are there? That doesn't really fit. So that's where we come to a different explanation. Ravin says." Um, that one of the rabbis, Rav Tachlif actually, uh, he said he used to, he went to the uh, leather workers and they said a dargish is a, like a leather cot. And uh, that's was the cold cover are made out of leather or just leather strips. It was saying there it's a leather cot and uh, that's what Rav Yirmiyah says that it's it's knotted with the way the the leather was held up from inside the, the frame, okay? And a bed 
was wrapped over the frame, over the top of oh, the frame. Okay. And that's the difference. Anyway, uh, Rav Yaakov Baracha said in the name of Rav Shimon Levi, the Allah follows Rav Shimon Begamliel, that you do need to untie the knots. And Rav Yaakov Baracha said in the name of Rav Asi, um, what about a bed that has a, the, a center post for uh, putting up a canopy? Um, so like a two-post canopy. So that's a problem uh, because it doesn't turn over. So then you just stand it up and that's good enough. You don't have to turn over a bed that doesn't turn over. And I think it's on that basis. Our beds don't really do this type of thing. So, and we don't really use it for sitting much. It's not really... Uh, the whole system changed a little bit. Day bed. What? Day bed. Right. A day bed is like that. But uh, we don't have like the concept of turning it upside down. It doesn't really exist. Anyway, so we talked about um, the the um, that uh, if somebody sits on a chair or on a, 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 a mortar, a large mortar, or on the ground, that's not the obligation. They didn't do it right. You have to. It's it's, it's specifically kviyasimita. That's what's required. Another thing we get into is as far as um, uh, cleaning the house of the mourner. One is uh, one does clean the house of the mourner, sweep the house. Uh, during, the during the shiva, make sure that it stays clean, and you wash the wash the dishes. Make sure everything's clean. And that's what you don't do is you don't go overboard by having incense all over the house. That's not appropriate. So the Gemara says, but it sounds like you don't make a blessing on it, but you do have it in the house. And the Gemara says, well, it depends on the room. Where the mourner is, they shouldn't be having incense, but where the the people who are there to get the guests or trying to comfort the mourner, then you could have, you just don't say a blessing on it. And that was a discussion okay. uh, that Dr. Monk uh, did some research, and he said that it's a machlokis, whether does a mourner say, Havdalah and make the bracha al psalmim or not? Does he smell it without a bracha? He just skips the whole I, thing. I don't know. That you're not sure either. Yeah, I think but you probably with the other bracha according to the mix up psalmim. And you can get around it by having somebody else say havdalah. Somebody else say havdalah, right? We both you with the bracha. But the main opinion is that uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're, uh, the the havdalah is an exception. Okay, next right. Next thing is uh, bringing uh, platters of food to the mourner. So what do you, you're supposed to bring it only on the most simple of platters, not on silver, gold, uh, fancy stuff. Um, also, um, we said in the Mishnah that you don't do berchas avelim on on Yom Tif, on Cholmoid, um, but we do stand in a row, we do nicham avelim, and um, and then you send everybody home. They like try not to. You don't want to gather crowds on Cholamoy. They should be, uh, you know, you try to make it a quick affair, and then everyone back to their life, um, not to be busy with this. Um, uh, also, um, you don't do a long, a long-winded uh, burial or uh, eulogizing by stopping in mid- the, the the coffin in the middle of the street. Um, they used to stop and give speeches and you know eulogize as they're going as they're carrying it. Uh, they don't do that one, um, so as not to lengthen it. And by women, it's in general not accepted to do that. And we'll see why. Okay, so first off, we said that they used to do is that in the olden days they first started the rich people when they would bring to the mourner they would bring. Um, fancy silver platters and gold platters, and the poor people they didn't couldn't do that, so they had these simple 
like wicker baskets, you know, and that's what they brought the fruit on. Um, and they were embarrassed. So therefore, Chazal were misak, and they established that everybody brings in, in simple, simple stuff. So nobody should make uh, other people be embarrassed. Uh, ashamed, right. Similar, um, where they used to get the, 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 when giving to drink the, in the house of the mourner, so the rich people would bring their, their fancy, you know, crystal Wine. goblets, um, and, the, and the poor people would bring, like, you know, colored glass, you know, like the yardside candles, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> the glass, I don't know if you know. In my, I grew up, that was like the standard glass that we used to drink from, was for tea, like tea. An, old, an old yardside candle uh, glass. Tea, tea. <laughs> I was kind of getting the set. Yeah, <laughs> a jelly jar. You it's mean? like no, that, that's also a jelly jar is another thing. But they used to sell yardside candles in like this glass, and then once you finished it, it was a good, it was a good glass. Why, why? Good it's glass. Why, why, why not? Anyway, so that's what the poor people they made. Then they were embarrassed. So if it says everybody uses the cheapest glass for the honor of the poor, it's interesting. We don't always. Look to the honor of the poor. It's unique in the area of of comforting the mourner that we're very worried about this this thing, and I don't know why, but that's just pointing out. It's an interesting thing. To every you'd say right, but I'm saying. Well, yeah, there is a way to do it. Anyway, next thing. Um, it used to be that the rich people they used to show their faces. But the poor people, since they're black, they would not show the faces. And then they said, you know, let's not show any faces because we don't want people to, poor people to be embarrassed. Because um, you could see that they died from starvation, basically. Uh, it used to be that the rich people would sit um, on a certain type of stand and the poor people had a different one. And then we said, no, no, we're not going to have that. Everyone sits in the same, same cheaper uh, seat, seating. We don't want to... For the honor of the poor. Now, we're not only worried about the honor of the poor, we're also worried about the honor of the people with stomach problems that are alive. Um, so it used to be that they would put a special incense underneath the people who had stomach problems who passed away because it would smell. And, um, and then the people who are stomach problems who are alive were embarrassed because they also smell, apparently. So therefore, they said, you know what, we always do it. Um, so as not to single out a certain group. And similar, uh, they used to be toivel, only the kalim of the nidois uh, that passed away because maybe, you know, they're, they're just to purify it. And then the nidos who were alive were embarrassed, so they said, you know what, we always toivel, all women we do tvila on their kalim. Um Again, this is in those days when we were, when we had an ability to be purified. Okay. Um, Huh? Open coffin or something like that. Yeah, no. It sounds like there was an open coffin to some degree that they had the face. Of, their face was. There was face visible, right? Yeah, but the face was visible. That's what I'm saying. By the rich people, the face was visible, but but not by the poor people because they would see the blackness and the cheeks or whatever, um, and they said, you know, we don't we don't show anything. That's what that's what it sounds like. Interesting. Anyway, um, the next thing is. Um, uh, so they did away with that, but and then they were toivel by the zavim that were died, but then the zavim chaim were embarrassed, so they said, you know what, we are toivel everybody. Oh, the everybody's kalim for so it's not the single out group. Now they used to be that the tzosmes was so expensive that uh, people were more distraught about the expenses of the burial than the than the death of the relative. 
Like that was like halbatzora, hey, you know. Like okay, he's dead. But now, what are we going to do with? Now we're going to how are we going to deal with the burial? It was so onerous that they would just leave the dead body and run away. So Rabbi Gamliel did something about it, and he said, "Well, this is a pretty wild story." So so right right exactly. So uh, so Rabbi Gamliel, right? You knock and run. <laughs> right. Anyway, so uh, that's uh, so Rabbi Gamliel, he himself went and be- was buried in the cheapest garments, and then everyone says, "Well, if that's good enough for the great Nasi to not use expensive clothing, so for his burial shrouds, and we we can do that also." And they basically cut down the costs. So that was like the olden days of like you know having takanas by weddings, you know, because it's getting onerous for people. So because uh, they did it for. Uh, the burial cost. I mean, you have to realize that there's things that they did that we don't do anymore. But they had you had to hire a, a eulogizer. You know, like like oh you know, yeah, yeah there was cry, women. It was a big deal. Idea. Criers. It was a whole thing. It was a big. It was it was like a wedding. <laughs> okay. And they watched the dancing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, so it's like uh, who's paying for the band? They you know what I'm saying? Did too. Anyway. Look. How was right. New Orleans and then guys were dancing in front of the. Oh, you went to a New Orleans uh, 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 burial? I mean, a, a funeral, and boy, a funeral. That's the, something to the happiest, see. The happiest time I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. all the ocean. <laughs> the ocean, there it is. I'm very happy. If there was something left after that. All right, next thing, we don't put the bed um, on the street on Cholomoyed. Again, you want to you wanna keep things. Um, to a minimum, so as not to affect the the experience of the yomtif. You don't want it to be basically. Do, you don't want it to be a downer. Now there is an exception. Our Papa says that there is no holiday for a Talmud Chacham, and surely not Chanukah and Purim. We the Talmud Chacham's passing is supersedes all of that. Now that's only in his presence, but not in his presence. And then you go back to normal life. You're not. Uh, and so the question is, Rav Kana did a eulogy for Rav Zvid in, from Narda in front of the river, and that was not in his presence. So the answer Rav Papi explains is that that was in the case where he first found out. It was the Yom Shemua. Yom Shemua is like in front of the deceased, and that's why he did the eulogy right then and there, even though it was Cholomoyed, I guess. Now Ula said uh, there's processes. The hespid, the word hespid refers to beating on the chest, and he quoted Pasuk to that effect. Tipuach is where you're clapping, um, and kilos is uh, is when you're stamping with your feet. However, be careful not to use your sandals because it could get loose. And then if you try smashing down and your sandals not on straight, you can uh, you can twist your leg. That's not a good thing. So what's the meaning, what's the meaning of a spade? It sounds like they used to beat on their chest in mourning. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's what it wasn't. It's not just a eulogy. There was a way of showing mourning by making that's noise. The meaning of the war? That's what he's saying. It, when yeah. when they said that's what he's saying. That's the implication. That's the that's the connotation of the word exactly. Now, um, next we saw is Rabbi Yochanan says that once the when you're visiting a mourner and you see the mourner nodding his head, that basically is if to say, okay, Enough. you know. Enough, you got to take the cue and leave. Okay, you get up to go. Um, you know, don't, 
overstay your welcome. You know, sometimes they need alone time, sometimes they're done with sitting and uh, basically mm-hmm. follow the old, you know, don't necessarily try and finish your story and say, oh, by the way, you know, like, okay, you know how it is. Okay. There are people like that that don't catch on to the cues. All right. Um, Everyone is obligated, in general, to stand up for a Nasi that walks in the room, but not a mourner and not a sick person. To everybody, after you're walking in, they stood up for you, say sit, be seated, but you don't tell an Avel or a Cholot to be seated. That's like, it has a bad connotation. Rav Yehuda said the name of Rav, that an Avel for the first day doesn't eat his own bread. He has to be fed by others. That's the, that's the Sudas Havra, that's what that's all about. Rabbi and Yosef, when they were apparently, they, what they used to do is they would just switch to each other. That was their system. Uh, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, if there's somebody who dies in the city, everybody stops their work to deal with the deceased. And Rav Menuno came to this town in the south. He heard that somebody died, and then he sees people working, and he's like, That's, you should be in Cherem for not listening to the rule of, of stopping what you do to deal with the deceased. And they said, oh, well, well he's, they said, but we have a Chavar Kaddisha here. So he says, oh, you have a Chavar Kaddisha? Then it's allowed. Well, that's different. The point being is that the small villages where they don't have a dedicated Chavar Kaddisha, so then basically it's on everybody to deal with the dead. You know, so everybody stops what they do. Then they take time off to deal with it. That's, what, that's, the, that's the system. If you have dedicated people for that, that's fine. Okay. Next, we saw review the standing of Rav. Anybody who cries too much on the deceased, that is not a good thing. And in the end, he's going to be crying for someone else. And the story goes... Is it the door? No, the Avel has to know when enough is enough. And that's the story with Ravuna, the neighbor in the neighborhood of Ravuna, there was this woman who, who had seven sons. One passes and there and, and she cried so much that he said, Okay, enough already. And she didn't listen. And he said, If you listen, good, but if not, you can you're gonna have more what to cry for. And uh in the end all of her children died. And in, oh, and not only that died. And in the end, he said, you know what, you're going to die also. And that's what happened. So bottom line is, that's what the idea is that we cry, yeah, but not too much. Right. There's a set amount of time to cry, and not more than that. Those, There's a shiur. The first three days is crying. The shiva is for hespid. The shloshim is for gutes and tisporas. And beyond that, Hashem says, don't be more merciful than I am. That's like, don't overdo it. Now, we did quote a pasuk. It says, Bachu bachu laholich. What is that referring to? So Rav Yudha says that's talking about that it's extra sad when somebody dies without children. Rabbi Shumalibi never went to the house of the mourner um, unless he di- the person dies without children, then it's ex- so sad, that's why he would do that. Um, um, then uh, Rav Huna uh, said this is referring to somebody, a different idea. He says that it's referring to somebody who was over in Avera and repeated Avera. So, which, once a person does that, Rav Huna holds, that's like it becomes mutter, not really mutter, but mutter in his eyes, because it's, he doesn't see what's so bad about what he did. He's like, look, I wasn't struck by lightning. Okay, whatever, it's not so bad. Um, and uh, bottom line is, that's what it means, that's you cry for the holy, he's already doing it. Now, a novel for the first three days should be very serious and, and feel 
like there's a knife, a sword on his back, and um, ready to you know, kill him, okay? And then after the first three days during Shiva, it's like it's opposite him. Also, like the the higher danger is away, but still you should feel that. And uh, after that, then it's like it's opposite him in the market, in an open place, and that's the um, correct emotion, and that's where he got up to. Yeah.